You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 51. The Comte de la Faire is a ghost story. The de Winter family skimmer was a masterwork of comfort and elegance in design. Milord had always been rather fond of it. B sat with her boots up on the dash, waiting him out. "'Where are we going?' he asked, choosing not to address the implied knowledge and accusation in her voice. There were at least sixteen methods he could use to kill her right this minute. It would be a shame. Bianca de Winter had been a worthy ally. Her loyalty to family had provided him with a certain layer of protection.' in the cutthroat world of valour politics. Milord had always known that it would be temporary. Olivier, you taught me that. The second I disappointed you, my life was forfeit. They were a ruthless race, these new aristocrats of valour. Only four generations ago, their ancestors had set foot on a barren rock and turned their machines against it, until it transformed into a land of storybook beauty, worthy of their distant myths and legends. If Milord had learned anything from the university courses he took to snare his first valuable spouse, it was that humans were stupid in the face of beauty. Having conquered this planet and made it perfect, the new aristocrats thought themselves above it all. Oh, they had religion, but was it a surprise that so many of them preferred elementalism to the more forward-looking and inclusive church of all? By worshipping the earth and the trees and the very air, they worshipped themselves all over again. Who was it that made the earth rich and fertile on this planet? Who was it that shaped the rivers and the mountains and altered the air so it tasted sweet in human lungs? The fucking new aristocrats, that was who. Their religion, like everything else, was all about them. The de Winter family were as bloated and self-congratulatory as the Dortevilles had been. But my lord had learned from the Comte de la Faire. By the time he presented himself on a platter to Delia de Winter and her arrogant, brash older sister, he had shaped a history that allowed him to play someone of note, rather than an outsider craving acceptance. He loved his title. How could he not? As the husband of the Comte de la Faire, he had been merely the Honourable Orden d'Auterville, which made it clear he was of lesser status to everyone else in the backwater noble family he had chosen to infiltrate. When he came to marry Milady Delia de Winter, younger sister of the Countess of Claric. He had expected much the same, but B was generous and pleased with the money and political influence that Vaniel Greywater brought to the marriage. She allowed him to share Delia's title, and somehow, somehow as milord he had become someone new. Perhaps these new aristocrats knew what they were doing after all. The title was meaningless. And yet, he was a different man when he wore it. 
There was a confidence to him that only arrived when he became milord, distancing himself from the ragged remnants of the previous identity that had nearly destroyed him. B waited now for him to speak, her boots twitching impatiently. Did she realise he was considering the potential risks of killing her, right here in the skimmer? Had she password-locked the autopilot? It would not do to arrive, blood-stained and breathless, at the De Winter estate in the county of Clarick, with the recently murdered corpse of his sister-in-law. "'Aren't you going to ask me what I know about you?' B made herself pretend her usual careless amusement. "'I've already asked you a question and received no answer,' my lord replied, matching her light tone. "'Goodness, darling, what have those surly musketeers been telling you?' B leaned in. My lord's gaze swept over the pulse at her throat, the one he could pinch out so easily. She had no idea how strong he was, how much more than a human she had trapped here in the metal skin of this skimmer. Unless, of course, she did know. One musketeer, said B, tipping her head back against the soft leather of the pilot seat. His name is Athos. You're acquainted, I believe. My lord was careful not to allow anger to show in his body language. We met for the first time some days ago. B's expression went hard. Really, Vaniel? Is that the truth? I got the impression you had known each other long ago. Or is it a lie that you were once married to the Comte de la Fere under another name? My lord huffed out a laugh. The Comte de la Fere? Someone has been telling you fairy tales. The Comte de la Fere is a ghost story. Indeed. B looked unimpressed. How had Olivia got under her skin so quickly? Turned her trust into suspicion. I'd never heard of the estate, but I've had time to research it while waiting for you to show up. It's found in the Peak District of Far North Castellian a long way from civilised society, far enough north that they use the old language, contes and contesses, duf and duchesse. As it turns out, there was a comte of those lands until five years ago, and he had a husband. My lord had not wasted a thought on what happened to the estate after he left. He knew had read somewhere that Olivier d'Otterville disappeared after the execution of his husband and was eventually declared dead. Perhaps one of the hangers-on that orbited the family had taken the lands for themselves. Perhaps they stood empty still. He had been happy there for a time. When he thought of it now, he remembered the chilly grey winters and not the fresh green warmth of the summers. Have you been listening to gossip from a dead man? He asked B. Her mouth broke into a broad, cold smile. Such fascinating gossip. Milord's gaze was drawn to the view screen that was full of blue, bright blue. We're skimming over water. Yes, said B. 
Sorry to disappoint you, brother dear, but we're not going to Clarick. His attention snapped back to her, calculating. Then I'm the one who's sorry. I don't think we have anything left to talk about. Milord moved, and B twisted away from him. He had a blade in his hand by the time her boots smacked down onto the floor. But she did too. His was a killing knife, the kind that concealed so easily in a sleeve, though the smart metal allowed it to bend and warp to whatever length or width was most useful. B had a sword. She'd kept it hidden beside her seat, but the hilt was in her hand now, the tip directly pointing at my lord's throat. Her weapon had the reach on him, but she was a sportswoman and not a killer. He took a step, intending to let her impale him. A thin blade sucking through the middle of his throat would nicely take the sword out of play, and do little to slow him down as he slit her throat and let her bleed out on the floor of the luxury skimmer. A hard snap locked around his ankles, forcing him still. Cuffs! The chair had cuffed him in place, some sort of automatic system. He growled, flexing against the hard metal that restrained him. B. de Winter, the Countess of Clarick, lowered her sword. I was never as stupid as you believed, she told him. Milord snarled at her, no longer having to pretend. Isn't that inconvenient? Finisterra. This was Finisterra. Milord knew it from the moment B led him, cuffed at the ankle and the wrist, from the skimmer and onto the hard grey rock of the island. Delia had brought him here once. She hated the place as much as any of her family did. Finisterra was where new aristocrats went to remember how good things were on the rest of the planet. It was one of the few patches of valour which had never been successfully terraformed. Oh, the air was breathable enough, and the bitter blue ocean as teeming with life as any other body of salt water on this over-designed planet. But nothing grew on Finisterra. The de Winter family had sold stone blocks hewn from this grim island for generations to build castles all across Castellian. Though the new aristocracy preferred butter-yellow sandstone from the eastern quarries than the pale blue-grey rock of the islands, eventually the quarry was closed down. There was a tower here, built high and sure above the island, with a clear view across the ocean to mountains that must, it occurred to my lord, overlook the land he had first infiltrated when he arrived on Valor. This was a northern island, so he was closer to La Faire than he had been since his execution. Ironic that he might meet a second execution here. Full circle, one might say. Good luck with that, B, my lord thought, as he trudged the path from the skimmer to the grim tower that awaited him. His ankles were weighed down by magnetic cuffs. His sister-in-law held an arc ray on him as she followed his steps. I wonder if you have any idea how difficult I will be to kill. My lord made his way inside the tower as a prisoner. 
The De Winters hated Finisterra, but they loved their grey stone. Bee and Delia's grandfather had built a similar tower, on an unnamed asteroid, after winning the ownership title of the Space Rock in a gambling debt. The asteroid was one of many random properties assigned to Milord's care after the death of his wife, and he had made use of it recently to house Conrad Sue. The Finisterra Tower was colder and less welcoming than the asteroid tower had been. I haven't been here since I was a child, B remarked as they entered the arched gate, to be greeted by a flat-faced unit of guards, all wearing the de winter crest. I do hope there are dungeons. You are making a mistake, Milord said, keeping his voice soft and unthreatening. B leaned into him, making sure to keep him at arm's length. Even with his wrists heavy in cuffs that matched the weights on his ankles, she did not trust him, and so she should not. Was that someone else's hand wielding a knife in my face a few hours ago? I feared for my life. From me? You have been bewitched by words of a madman. B smiled at that. Mad is he, your handsome musketeer. I thought he was a ghost story. B, for the sake of our family. She actually hissed in her throat. Family, you dare say that to me. I have trusted you as a brother and a friend, and this, what you have done to my family, is indescribable. It's the dishonour that burns, is it? He shot at her. How embarrassing to have musketeers spreading lies about your kin. B looked as if she had been slapped. You think I brought you here because you are an embarrassment? Darling boy, I brought you here because I want answers. Milord wriggled his fingers, flexing his wrists against the cuffs. He could get out of them now if he changed shape. But he did not yet know the lie of the land. If he could be sure those six men and women in livery were the only guards on the island, he would be prepared to risk it. But he had not got this far without patience and caution. I am an open book, he said, projecting an aura of harmlessness. What do you need to know, sweetness? For a start, said B, did you murder my sister Delia? Oh, that, well, that was a long story, and the truth would not endear him to be tonight. Better to say nothing. Milord was taken not to a dungeon, but to a room high in the tower, suitably melodramatic. He was impressed by B's commitment to the role of ruthless jailer. There were twelve guards in all, presided over by a resentful woman in the emerald and gold sash of a planetary marshal. "'Aren't you overqualified for guard duty?' Milord asked the marshal, calculating the size and shape of the room, the electronic seals on every window, the active security system that would monitor him, ev monitor him every second of every minute of every hour of every day. "'Marshal Felton is here at the First Minister's request,' said B, 
as she checked the accommodations. I've done my research on you since that informative call from Athos. Her eminence the cardinal was especially informative about your past activities. My lord raised an eyebrow. I bet she was. The government of Valor took it as a personal favour for me to discreetly remove you from the public to minimise the scandal, B went on. I might get a knighthood for it. Betrayal is such a lucrative business these days. Her face frosted over. Don't you dare, Vaniel. You wormed your way into my family, married my sister, who died so conveniently a year after the wedding. After a brief illness? I never doubted you for a second all this time. B, he said, still hoping he could convince her to take his word over that of his former husband. Be reasonable. Reasonable? This isn't a minor skeleton in the closet to be tidied away. My sister is dead and my only heir turns out to have been fathered by a scum-sucking alien. I'm not in the mood to be reasonable, Vaniel. I'm done with you. If you have any confessions, give them to Marshal Felton, and we'll see if anything you say is worth trading for a swift and private execution, instead of the publicly humiliating spectacle that the Valor government is preparing as we speak. She stormed out of the room, leaving only Marshal Felton behind. Milord took a deep breath and gave her a charming smile. I'm sorry you had to see that. Family tiff, so awkward. Any chance of a hot cup of tea? Olivier, you will die for this, he decided then and there. I will make you watch me dismember the girl, D'Artagnan, before I finally let you fall into your own oblivion. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletters for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR, and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. <laughs>